Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 47 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today I'm joined by pharmacist Cara Little and we talk about how we can reduce the amount of toxic exposure we are unfortunately exposed to every day. Cara is a mother of two active boys and a pharmacist and was concerned about the toxins that she and her boys and her family were being exposed to. So she developed her own range of eco-friendly and low-tox products and today we talk a little bit about them and also what we need to look out for when it comes to the products that we use in our homes and also what we use on our skins. Particularly, what are the ingredients that we really should be taking note of and why are those ingredients problematic? I know when I commenced my SIBO journey, I started to become aware of all of the toxins that I was exposed to and little by little, I have swapped them out for less toxic or lower toxic alternatives. I hope you enjoy today's show with Cara Little. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast, Cara Little. It's great to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Today we're going to be talking about how we can investigate what toxic chemicals we inadvertently have in our home. And uh, you have founded a gorgeous company called Pure Home Body. And I'd love to start off with us talking about why you did that. Yeah, absolutely. So... The seed for Pure Home Body probably um, was planted about 10 years ago. I've been a registered pharmacist now for over 10 years and it was one particular day when I was working in pharmacy and a regular customer came in. Um, she was a lovely mum, had a two-year-old daughter who had just undergone some intensive therapy for her eczema that was really, really debilitating. I mean, her daughter only had to smile and the poor love, her, her face would crack. So um, she'd had some wet bandage therapy done and pretty much that basically is where they go into hospital, they get heavily um, heavy doses of cortisone applied to the skin and then they apply wet bandages to, the, to them that allows the uh, cortisone to seep right into the, into the dermal layers. So they'd just come in after this therapy and, um, you know, we were having our regular chat in the pharmacy and she, she said to me a couple of things that um, really stuck with me or one thing in particular that stuck with me. And she said to me, Cara, I have no idea what set my daughter off. You know, I don't know what it is that, that causes her to have these massive flare-ups. 
Now, this mum was doing everything right. We'd seen her through a pregnancy. Um, you know, she had a fantastic birth. Um, the child, she was doing everything right in terms of feeding her the correct food, avoiding trigger foods, using the right clothing on her skin, applying the cortisone creams that were prescribed for her, avoiding soaps, anything that could potentially cause a flare-up for her daughter. And she was using natural products from, the, from a normal supermarket or an eco-friendly range, should I say. So that didn't sit well with me, Rebecca, and I just thought, God, you know, as a healthcare professional, that can't happen. You know, this poor mum here is seeking advice and answers. She's already under the top specialist in WA, and I can't offer her any more. So I felt really helpless as a healthcare professional, and I just wasn't happy with that. So the other thing that really upset me about that situation was that she was she was also quite isolated. So even though a lot of mums have children that suffer from the illnesses like asthma, eczema, allergies and things like that, even though they're surrounded by lots of women that are of an understanding of the particular illnesses or disease states, they're still quite alone because nobody really gets them. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that. And I thought how I need to create something or do something in my life where I can really um, bring women together. So... Um, I started to look further into these disease states and I started to, to realise that for each of these particular diseases like your asthma, like your allergies, like your um, eczema, as well as other things like your autoimmune diseases, there is this underlying factor that has that is at play and that is the immune system. So for some reason, these these people that suffer from these diseases, their immune system seems to be a little bit out of whack. So it gets a little bit excited on things which really it shouldn't be getting excited on. So the other thing that I found very interesting was that even though um, there were multiple children in the family, one would suffer from it. Why are the other ones not suffering from it? What is at play here? What's triggering this particular body to overreact, but everybody else who's in the same sort of gene pool why aren't they reacting the same way? Okay, so what, what has turned on this particular genetic expression in the family or in this particular person? So I started to look further into the immune system and that actually took me down the path of natural therapies and looking at gut health. So we, we all know that um, the gut is very important um, in our well-being and one thing that we really need to make sure of, especially when we're younger, is to build a really, a really diverse microbiome in our gut. And the way that we can do that is by exposing ourselves to as many sort of, you know, uh, germs, I suppose, in the beginning. That's the basic way of, of explaining it. But, you know, making sure that we aren't too clean, that we aren't, um, you know, that we are eating a very, very healthy and wholesome diet and as well as having probiotics or, or making sure that we have that bacteria in, uh, colonising the bowel, we have to make sure that we look at things like prebiotics or how can we nourish that bacteria in the bowel. And when I started to look at how we can actually nourish our gut microbiome, I realised that as a society, we really fear germs. In actual fact, only 95% of the germs that surround us, oh, well, 95% of the germs that surround us are absolutely fine. We live in this fantastic ecosystem with them, whereas only 5% are the things that we should be afraid of. 
So why is it that when we walk down the supermarket aisle, we see two aisles dedicated to cleaning and we only see, say, you know, half an aisle dedicated to health food, uh, to health foods, half an aisle dedicated to teas, you know. So that's where I started to go, okay, maybe as a society we are too clean. And this maybe has a connection with why these children are experiencing um, an increase in asthma, allergies, eczema. Are we too clean? Are we not allowing our, our gut microbiome to build up in the right way? And then I started to look um, at the products that we were using in our home. So I started to look at cleaning products first. What are we using in our home that um, is causing the problem? When I started to look at the labels um, on the products, one, they were very, very um, vague. They, they had this lack of transparency. They weren't honest with what they were, they were telling us about. They had great marketing. Um, they um, were only giving us part of the information. So as an exercise, what you can do, Rebecca, is when you walk down the cleaning aisle and have a look at the products, pick up a product and see what, 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 are they, what are they telling you that's in that product. You might find that they'll only write things like active ingredient, say sodium hypochlorite, 5%. So for me, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this has only got 5% of that ingredient. What's the other 95%? You know, it may be water, but it may not be. We're not 100% sure as a consumer what's in there. So here we have a mum who says to me, I don't know what's setting my child off, but yet we have products on our shelves, which we are using on a daily basis that don't actually tell us what we're using. So prior probably to the 1950s, we barely had a large number of chemicals in, in the world. Well, we probably had, had enough, but um, we didn't really have the vast amount that we have available to us now. So post-1950, there was this big, massive explosion of chemical production with over 70,000 or more new chemicals that came to the market. And what's worrying is that these actually haven't been tested on humans. So we are in actual fact um, the test victims ourselves. And, and the sad part is that our children may be the ones that um, show the outcome of these chemicals. So I didn't like the fact that there was this lack of transparency. And then when I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to change over to eco-friendly products, um, they were doing pretty much the same. And they were also using... Um, using tactics, like they wouldn't put the chemical name of, of the ingredient down. So let's just, everything has a chemical name, even natural products. But because somebody reads that label and they go, oh, it sounds chemically, I'm not gonna use it. They use words like plant-based surfactant, coconut-based emulsifier, um, natural, um, naturally derived soap or whatever. So they are, they're, they're using ways to sort of get us around it. So when I look at labels like that, I go, okay, in my mind, I can think of a couple of plant-based surfactants that we can use, of which only maybe one or two has a low toxicity profile in our body. So what one are you using and why aren't you disclosing that to us? So that really sort of irked me, Rebecca. I was like, no, we cannot have that. So I started creating my own line. I was really, um, I was really moved uh, when my my mum's group decided that they wanted to use it. After I'd spoken to them about these particular issues that I had with the products that were on the market, 
um, and the lack of transparency and governing laws that 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 are there um, to protect the consumer by saying you know we need to put all the ingredients on on the bottle. Um, I was very moved when they said, look, you know what, we need to change over and completely clear out um, clear out all our chemicals in our home. So what initially started as a product for myself and a journey for, for myself as cleansing and to get rid of all these things um, ended up becoming this, this brand, Pure Home Body. So um, the products have changed over the years. They have been reformulated and they are constantly reformulated to make sure that they maintain the low toxicity level. So um, it just grew um, from family loving it to then a community loving it. And um, the whole purpose behind the brand Pure Home Body is really to empower people within their own homes and to educate them about um, these issues that are happening in the marketplace and, and what and ways in which we can educate ourselves to feel um, comfortable with what we're bringing into our home and um, we can use them safely and, and feel um, guaranteed that, that there's not going to be any harm on our bodies. So, yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting you talk about being germ phobic. I grew up being so terrified of germs. You know, I'd be insane when it came to not wanting to use glassware or cutlery that might have had the tiniest little mark on it. If I was at friends' houses, you know, they used to all tease me because I'd go and rewash glasses and cutlery mm. so that I knew that it was clean. <laughs> and it was the first time I really had to shake myself out of this phobia was when I went backpacking around Europe in my, um, oh, what was I, 23 when I first left Australia and I really had to get over it. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I still, it was still there and it's only been in very recent times that I have started to really think about, um, you know, that germs aren't the enemy, they're actually really good and it's very interesting that we, we have become conditioned to be so fearful of bacteria and germs when in fact we have trillions of them in us Absolutely. and we would not be very we would not be alive if it wasn't for all that bacteria. Absolutely. We have this wonderful ecosystem that's inside our body. And, um, yeah, when that ecosystem is a little bit out of whack, that does affect our body. It affects, obviously, our immune system. It affects our mental state. It affects our general well-being. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying go out there and, and eat dirt. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, you know, kids nowadays don't get enough outdoor exposure um, and get into the dirt as much as they should be getting into the dirt. I think, um, you know, um, that's very, very important in help colonising or getting the body used to being exposed to different bacteria that and um, germs, uh, funguses and all these other things that, um, you know, our body just builds the immune system against. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will hit school or kids will hit school after not really being exposed too much to things when they're younger and then they'll get everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, very um, a diverse topic and, um, yeah, 
nourishing your your gut microbiome isn't just about you know exposing germs it's also about what we eat and and our stress levels and and um you know our exercise and things like that so there's a multiple it's quite a holistic approach to gut health um but yeah for me it was like how can i really really nourish or look at ways in which we can um you know expose ourselves to germs in a healthy way and in, in a beautiful controlled way without um putting any pressure on the body in other ways by using chemicals so yeah it's interesting um, when I, as we're chatting, I'm thinking back over my life and and I, I really wonder how much of this was, my fear was driven by what was going on in my gut. Um, because my mum tells a story about how when I was about 18 months old, I went for a play date across the road to um, neighbours of ours and, and um, our neighbour had a boy who was about six months older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I went across and she put us outside in the garden to play, yeah. which, you know, which is a good <laughs> thing to do with little kids. Yeah. And she put me down on the ground and I put my hand on the grass and I picked it up and I had a leaf on it. And apparently I cried for the rest of the afternoon (laughs) she was like oh my gosh is this what having daughters is all about where is her son out getting covered in dirt and and I was never an out like I played outside but I really did not like getting dirty whereas my sister who grew up as such a tomboy she loved getting dirty to the point where I remember um, and this really this really demonstrates the difference between us I would go inside and cook food for the family for (laughs) afternoon tea and my sister would be outside with my dad getting filthy and this one day she had created a mud bath for herself she'd stripped off all her clothes other than her underwear and she had covered herself head to toe in mud and appeared at the back door leaping around (laughs) and I all I could think at the time and I still remember this was that's disgusting. She's got so much dirt on her. And yet I'm the one that's got the gut problems and my sister doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And there I was fastidiously, fastidiously avoiding germs and dirt and outdoors as much as I could. And I, I wasn't doing myself any favours. Yeah, no, but look, we are a product of our parents. And, you know, I know that my mum um, was very much into the sterilisation. She was like, we've got to use every chemical under the sun to blast this home, rid of um, any sort of possible germs. She's a nurse by trade. So she's like, you know, we cannot have any germs at all in this house. Um, so you, look, it, it was a journey that I went on. I used to believe that if you're not smelling bleach or fairly lightheaded, then you know, your house isn't clean. I actually used to do a, um, a little test after I cleaned the house because, you know, after you've been cleaning for a couple of hours with bleach and all those other chemicals that you use, you actually can't smell anymore. So I used to walk out, get some fresh air for about five minutes, walk back in to make sure that I could smell that bleach smell and I'd go, you know what, my house is clean, you know. Only then would I be happy with that. But it's terrible. I, I did not realise back then how much damage I was doing really to myself until, um, yeah, I started looking into it a little bit more. And, um, yeah, then, it, then you know, it, as much as it, there's a lot of information out there and it, and it can be quite overwhelming for people, but I think um, the main idea is just to raise a little bit of awareness and, and question the products you're bringing into your home. That's, that's, that's all I can ask for really on, on this journey. 
Um, yeah. One thing that I did when I started healing my gut was, you know, my first focus was around SIBO and gut health and trying to mm-hmm. repair my gut. And then as I got further into that journey and my naturopath and I were looking at my inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I had quite high inflammation. My my immune system was really reacting to a lot of things. Yeah. So she and I had a conversation around how it was important for me to calm the inflammation down and let my immune system go back to doing its proper job rather than attacking everything in sight. And that was us looking at foods that my immune system was responding negatively to. But also then that's when I started to look at what I was using in my home, on my skin. And that's when I think I started to become quite alarmed at oh my gosh, I am being exposed to thousands of chemicals every day without even realising it. So I'd like to talk about um, where we can perhaps start when we're looking at the types of things that we could perhaps investigate and and look for maybe a lower tox version of it and whether there are some products that are, you know, they're worse than others or that should be on our hit list first. Absolutely, yes, I could definitely let you know all about this. So I think the first step when you want to start taking that journey to, to going low tox Um, it's just to first understand that not all chemicals are bad. So um, there are ones that are definitely worse than other, exactly like how you said, Rebecca, what ones should we really, really be fearful of? Um, And then there's others that are absolutely okay. So to get an understanding of um, chemicals is quite, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So it's best to actually look at some resources. Now, the best resource that I like to look at, or there's two actually that you can get online, and that is the Environmental Working Group. That is a fantastic resource for people to go on, plug in any ingredient that they have um, on their products and find out what the rating is. How toxic is it in the body? And then under there, they actually have some um, articles that you can read further on. Um, The other thing that I like to use is the chemical maze. Now, you can actually get this app on your phone. So, And while you're in the shops, you can... You can pick up a product, plug the ingredient in, and it will either come back with it. I think it's such an easy system. It's got a smiley face system or a sad face system. So it'll come up with either um, a really happy green face or a cautionary um, yellow face or a, or a red, no, don't go near this particular product. So the main reason why I started, um, besides looking at um, our immune system, is what actually chemicals do inside our body or what they can be doing. Now, there's a lot of myth out there um, with um, skin absorption and putting chemicals on our skin. Now, we actually don't really know how much gets passed through the skin, and it depends on a number of factors of the particular chemical that you're using in your product. It, could, it comes down to things like the molecular size, the solubility of it, um, the carrier that it's sitting in. So if you have a look at, um, you know, when we use medication, those patches that we can apply to the skin, that is a very, very um, delicate engineered system that has been applied to that patch that allows it to pass through the skin. Whereas most um, uh, personal care products that we would find on the market aren't really designed to go further than the top dermal layer of the skin. That's where it sort of wants to sit to do its work. Um, so one thing that I, the, 
The things that I would really, really want to look at in a product is what ingredients are and what are the ingredients doing to us or what could they potentially be doing to us. So there's a couple of things that chemicals can do. And that is one, they can either bioaccumulate in our body, which means that short-term exposure, low doses, not a problem, but over time it has the ability to sit in our body and, um, and accumulate um, to levels which then can mean that it, get, it becomes toxic. The other thing is that um, obviously we have heard of some ingredients being carcinogenic. Um, there are certain chemicals that are found in products and um, that are still available in products that are carcinogenic that have been linked to cancer. Now, so carcinogenic doesn't necessarily mean that that particular ingredient is going to cause car uh, cancer. It could mean that it will cause a reaction in the body or it can react with the body to sort of trigger cancer production or cancer cell production. Um, so it's not necessarily um, the, the actual ingredient, it's what it can do inside our body. The other thing, and this is where I have my biggest beef, and that's with fragrances, especially for women, is that um, these have a very similar chemical structure to our hormones. And so therefore they can, they can actually affect our hormone system and they're known as um, endocrine disruptors. And these ingredients are known as phthalates or phthalates, I always say it the wrong way, but because um, it's got a really, really crazy spelling. <laughs> but um, these ones in particular are what I get most concerned with for women because we apply perfume, they're in our um, cosmetics that we put on our skin, um, and in actual fact, their molecular size allows them to get into the deeper layers and potentially hit our bloodstream where they then can go into our body. Um, so, yeah, um, the other thing that it can do is that they can affect our nerves. So um, in some particular cases, um, it can affect the neurological development of, of um, children. So this is where we would worry about particular chemicals in children because their immune system as well as their neurological system or nervous system is, is, is growing, it's developing. It doesn't need to have to deal with an overload of chemicals at all. So when you are in a, um, when you are going into your shopping center, going into your grocery store, wherever you like to shop, I would suggest definitely using either the Chemical Maze or um, the Environmental Working Group apps, plugging in the ingredients into the back of it and seeing what they come back with. And they will let you know if it's doing this, if it's bio, potential for bioaccumulation, if it's got the potential um, to affect your nerves, if it might affect your, um, your hormones. So I would definitely be using those apps when I'm going into the store. Um, but yeah, the, the first step before... I suppose the first step is is definitely to to look at what you've got in your home. Just just go room by room. Just start in your bathroom, and and open your cupboards, pick up your products, have a look at them. Look at the back. If there's things that you don't really understand what's written there, then then you know question it. Start doing a bit of research. Now I'm sure when you Google everything, you're going to get so much information on it. I suggest just to go to the Environmental Working Group or the Chemical Maze. Those are quite um, good resources. Um, start, start room by room, as I did say, um, and just use those products up that you've got. Don't just think I'm going to ditch it all because, you know, at the end of the day, it needs to be a progress. It can't be something where you've got to throw out all this money and then spend all this money to get new products back in. So start slow, concentrate on one product first. Um, and then work your way through the rest of the covers. Um, 
but yeah that would be the easiest thing <laughs> to not get overwhelmed because there's so much information out there on this yeah I would just say don't get overwhelmed with it all and, and whatever level you want to go to is fine um so yeah that's that's I don't know if that was a very long-winded um answer to that Rebecca probably <laughs> went from here to there and everywhere but um <laughs> the answer probably to your question is where can you start is just start in your own home get those um those two website and um and apps on your phone and just start questioning the products that you've got inside your home already and what you're potentially going to buy something that i did um because this has been a it's been an evolution for me and i very much did that where i just started looking at what was on the pro- was in the products so i started looking at ingredients mm-hmm. lists and, you know, things like shampoo and conditioner, looking at the back of them and thinking, oh, there's oh. like 30, 40 ingredients Absolutely. in there. And all of these are very chemically sounding names. And I don't know what any of them mean. And then looking at my deodorant, you know, I was a, um, you know, here in Australia, we've got Mitchum, which is, you know, yeah. that really strong aluminium yeah. deodorant. And that's, you know, you put that, you shave your armpits, you put it straight, straight on. onto, you know, freshly shaved skin and and then I thought, what's happening with that deodorant? Is that going straight into my lymphatic system? Like, what's going on? And so I started to, my approach was looking at the products that you, that touched my skin mm-hmm. every day. So my first thing, my first two things were my moisturizing cream and my deodorant. Now, I'm a sweaty person. I do sweat. I'm not a you know nice, neat lady that just never sweats and never smells. I do sweat. And I'm really paranoid about smelling bad. And so I'd been using these you know ever stronger deodorants in my quest not to smell. And summers here in Australia get pretty warm. Um, but you know, none of them are really working for me anymore. So I and I tried a whole bunch of, um, these natural deodorants and I'd tried crystal sticks and all sorts of things, which was literally like just throwing Absolutely. my money out yeah. into the universe yeah. and <laughs> bidding it farewell. Um, but then I uh, started doing some research online, started looking at, um, you know, asking people I knew that I respected what they used and and just seeing what other platforms there were. And I ended up, I found types of deodorants now that work for me which are a coconut oil base that have um, generally bicarbonate of soda or baking soda or arrowroot or something like that um, and then some essential oils and these deodorants that I use now they're they're generally a paste which I have to rub on and it's really interesting my partner finds that (laughs) disgusting whereas he's like ugh why would you do that and I'm like I've just got out of the shower my armpits clean like what's wrong with rubbing some coconut oil (laughs) mixture onto it Uh, but it's not for everybody um but now, you know, my the ingredients on that tub of natural deodorant is maybe five items and I Absolutely. know all of them. Absolutely. I know what they all are. That's wonderful. And my skincare um, is really interesting. I was at a dinner a couple of years ago now and met a woman who um, – did a paleo skincare and she does um, a tallow-based moisturizing cream with some essential oils uh, in it. And I got a sample there and I Mm. loved it. And then she and I ended up signing up to this um, course that we did 
about two and a half years ago now. And uh, she was there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love your skincare so much. And it's all I use now. Um, and that's Crystal from Ecology Skincare. And again, her skincare is really basic. Um, it does gross some people out because they're like, ooh, you're putting beef fat on your face. But I'm like, I'd rather put beef fat on my face and know exactly what beef fat is and a few other essential oils than to put something that's got 50 ingredients and has been tested on animals. And, you know, And so that's how I started. And then I started to look at my toothpaste because I thought, okay, well, toothpaste goes in my mouth. I'm eating a bit of that and started to, you know, play around with different toothpastes and I've had some successes and I've had some (laughs) terrible failures. Oh, yes, I know. It is definitely trial and error when you're going low tox, that's for sure. It is. And uh, I came back from the States with one toothpaste that my partner was like, why are you putting dirt on your toothbrush? That looks disgusting. (laughs) But that was my approach to start with those things that are immediately on me and then to start looking further afield. So I started to look at my makeup. I started to look at my cleaning products. Um, I started to looking at my washing powder. So it was kind of like going out in – circles as you know I guess the exposure to my system um was perhaps less and the big thing that I did was looking at shampoo and conditioner now I'm very conscious that you know particularly in some of the organic stores or health food stores there's you know there's growing products for this um for this person that is becoming conscious of the chemicals on them and they'll often have things like no parabens and you know all sorts of messaging on what should we be really looking for when it comes to those products that you know are our must-haves that they shouldn't okay. include? Definitely you've mentioned one of my top five, which is parabens. Parabens are highly irritating on the skin, especially in skincare products. And you'll find that a lot of products now are taking them out, um, especially in the, in the health food stores. The other thing that I would say people need to look at is your fragrances. So um, anything that has fragrance, perfume, um, aromatic blend, um, written on the back, I would instantly go, no, I'm not using that product. And the reason for that is because in that one particular name of perfume, fragrance, aromatic blend, you've got at least 14 chemicals that are making up that smell and we don't know what they are. And, you know, these companies are not by law um, needing to disclose what they've used to create that scent. So I would definitely avoid anything that has fragrance, perfume, aromatic blends or parfum written on the back of it. The parabens, like how you said, definitely highly irritating on the skin. And what do parabens do? So parabens, um, are, well, pretty much what they do is they can cause irritation, redness and itchiness in the skin. They react with the skin um, and pretty much they do not help anyone that has any sensitivity to, to the skin. They just, anybody who's got a heightened response in their system where their immune system um, shows up in a form of a rash does not benefit from using parabens in that reason because it's something that triggers their immune system to react to it and, and pretty much their body does not like it. And why would it be included in a product? Like what's its purpose in products? Oh, okay. So parabens are used in there as a preservative um, to help sterilize or keep the ingredient, uh, keep the product from going off, pretty much. Um, that's the main purpose of a paraben inside the product. 
Mm, so yeah. Okay. I mean, the other Thank thing, you. the other thing which is a problem, which we all know about, is your SLS or your sodium lauryl sulfate. Um, now, those uh, sodium lauryl sulfate, sulfate or sodium laureth sulfate um, is soap, pretty much. Highly irritating on the skin. Highly irritable. Um, it's artificial uh, and it doesn't do any any good for anybody who has sensitivity to the skin. So those who suffer from dermatitis, eczema, um, psoriasis should largely avoid those two parabens and sodium lauryl sulfate because they're just going to irritate the skin even further. Um, my next thing, as you mentioned, toothpaste um, is triclosan. So triclosan is found largely um, in toothpaste. Uh, and in antibacterial hand washes as the active antibacterial ingredient. So triclosan has actually been banned in America recently. I don't know if you heard, Rebecca, about the 19, um, 19 ingredients or antibacterials that got banned in the USA recently. I actually hadn't heard that. Yeah, so I think it was happened at the beginning of this year or the end of last year. Um, there was a band that was passed um, by the FDA in America that banned 19 um, antibacterials. So companies over there have two years to remove these ingredients from their products. So, um, and one of them was triclosan, and we use them quite regularly in Australia as our antibacterial inside um, a number of antibacterial hand washes, which you'll find in your supermarkets, as well as toothpaste. So that would be my, my big thing to remove. And the reason why they said to remove it is, one, um, there is actually no evidence saying that it's that it's benefiting us in any way. And the other thing was that all these antibacterials that we are using now in our environment are contributing to the antibiotic resistance that we're seeing growing in in the world at the moment. So they're trying to curb the use of antibacterials in products. And unfortunately, Australia needs to follow suit and we're nowhere near following suit there. So that's something that I'm rallying for big time is to, to sort of, you know, come up with the world because Australia tends to be really, really behind when it comes to chemical use inside products, but yet so stringent on other things, which should be quite lapse. So, um, yeah, my, my fifth ingredient, which I would say definitely involve, uh, remove is bleach. Now bleach, everybody uses bleach and I'm sure half your listeners might be going, oh no, bleach is like the holy grail inside the home. But in actual fact, bleach is um, not only um, terrible for us in terms that it's highly irritating on the body, if we inhale it, it's, it's quite toxic. And if we mix it with other um, household cleaning products like ammonia-based products, it does form a poisonous gas. It does affect our environment as well. So bleach pretty much, it, as much as it does kill bacteria, it doesn't help mould, which is what a lot of people um, use it for. They use it because they like it, it gets rid of the colour of the mould, and that's literally all it's doing. It's just getting rid of the colour of the mould. So it's not actually killing the source of the problem. And you'll find that that mould will only get worse and worse and worse because in actual fact, it's feeding the mould. It's allowing mould, uh, it's allowing water to get into our shower grouts uh, much quicker because it makes grout highly permeable. And usually our mould sits behind our tiles. So as we make our grout more permeable to water, water then penetrates and goes to the source of, of the problem, which is the mould behind the, the tiles and keeps um, feeding it. So 
Bleach is, is definitely my biggest cleaning product that I say get out of the home. And it also affects our environment because when it goes down into our waterways, it, it binds together with other chlorine molecules and creates a toxic compound that then finds it, its way back into our food chain. So, um, yeah, they would be my top five to, to look out for in terms of ingredients. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, do you feel completely overwhelmed when it comes to figuring out what you can eat that's suitable for a SIBO diet? I know that I felt so overwhelmed at the start of my SIBO journey. And let's be honest, eating for SIBO can be challenging. It can downright suck at points. You've already got so much going on. You've got your treatments. You're trying to remember to take all your medications and your supplements. And not to mention all of the daily symptoms that you have to experience. The pain, the bloating, the constipation or diarrhea or both, and the brain fog and exhaustion. The list just goes on. Having someone else take that hassle away from you for planning your food can make your day just that little bit easier. And this is where I've come to your rescue. I've developed SIBO meal plans just for you. They take all of the stress away from planning your SIBO daily food intake. They're based on the SIBO biphasic diet by Dr. Narala Jacoby, and each meal plan is just for the specific phase it relates to. So you may be on phase one restricted or phase one semi-restricted or phase two reduce and repair, and there is a meal plan just for you. We've got 14 days of SIBO-friendly meals and recipes included. There's weekly shopping lists. There's handy hints and tips to make cooking easier. And every recipe is 100% gluten-free. The recipes are low-grain. We only use a little bit of rice or quinoa in the recipes depending on what phase you're following, of course. All the recipes are low carbohydrate, very low dairy, low sugar, and there are low FODMAP options included. The great news is that you can download it instantly and you can get cooking today. If you'd like to know more about the SIBO meal plans, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash SIBO hyphen meal hyphen plans or head to the show notes from today's episode and just click on the link there. I hope you enjoy the meal plans, guys. I know it's going to save you so much time, energy and effort and help you be compliant to your SIBO diet as you go through your treatment. Now let's get back to the show. Wow. I'm just thinking of um, my bleach days, (laughs) 
bleach them now over. <laughs> but I bleached everything. I'd bleach that, you know, I'd be, I'd have my bleach and I'd be oh, wiping down the toilet oh, and I'm wiping down the shower. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> and all of our marketing ads, you know, all of the TV commercials, it's, you know, it's talking oh. about, you know, how good bleach is. And the, you've got these ads where you'll see a dirty bathroom and then they'll come along with their beat bleach based product and it's all sparkling white and glistening and we have just been totally fooled oh absolutely there's another brand which i won't say that's out there at the moment and you may have seen it on the ads rebecca there's one that's marketing as a a healthy family product Um, and they've changed the capping to have a green cap uh, but they've still got the same um, chemical-based product inside the bottle. But, yeah, they, they completely market to fool us. And, um, you know, that's what I get really annoyed with because, um, yeah, I just that, – that, I get really beefed by that. Um, but, yeah, bleach, don't worry. It's funny. It's funny you talk about that story about bleach because I was exactly the same. I had to bleach everything. And the other day I was at my mother-in-law's house and um, – she was doing the dishes and I was next to her wiping the dishes and she went and got bleach and put some of the bleach in the water. I said, what are you doing? What are you putting bleach in there? And she goes, she's an old Italian. She's like, oh, you must put bleach inside the sink because we've cooked eggs. I was like, um, that's the first I've heard of it. She's like, otherwise things have a smell. I'm like, why couldn't you just put a little bit of vinegar in the water? It's going to do the same thing. And she's like, oh, I never thought of that. But she's like, you know, vinegar. She she then proceeds to tell me that, you know, me with my natural ways, you know, she's still old school with loving her her alternative um, chemical-based products. So she's the hardest one I have to convince. But I've convinced my mum, which is, um, you know, the most important thing for me. So, yeah. So, <laughs> what about foaming agents, things that make things get, get a good sort of lather or, yeah. or suds yeah so that's your sodium lauryl sulfate and your sodium lauryl sulfate that's the soap so anything that's really highly foaming has definitely got that in there now there's another way that they like to put it on the back of the label they might say ammonia lauryl sulfate and then they might have another ingredient next to it um, sodium something and what actually that does is that when it combines together it does form sodium lauryl sulfate so that's another way that they like to fool you they'll say no there's no sls put in here but when these two ingredients combine they become that um, so anything that's highly foaming definitely has sodium lauryl sulfate in it or sodium lauryl sulfate in it um, anything that's a plant-based um, more uh, less toxic, more natural product will not foam much. Even your dishwashing liquids, they will not foam much. Um, the body wash that I do is almost like a gel. It's it's this very very soft lather. Um, so that's that's one key thing that you can definitely look for in a product, Rebecca, and and go yeah okay I know that there's some foaming agent in here that might be irritating on my skin and I should probably not use. So yeah. Mm, I remember um, when I started to switch over, it was, it was actually a bit of a psychological shift where it wouldn't, things wouldn't soap up or suds up like I'd been used to, and I kind of I was like, oh, I don't feel like I'm cleaning properly because oh, yeah. I don't have the soapiness like I used to. That's exactly right. But in actual fact, soap doesn't kill germs or get or um, do anything like that. All it does is it helps dissolve the germ off the surface of something so that it can be washed away. Um, so that's how you need to. That's how I found um, a way to shift sort of my mental state with it because yeah I'm the same it's not soaping enough I don't it doesn't feel soapy enough for me so it mustn't be cleaning 
but um, we don't need to actually have the foam in order for it to remove dirt. It's just a matter of dissolving the bacteria or um, the germs off the surface of the product so that it can be passed through um, the drain or, or down, get gotten rid of, should I say. What about plastics with our product? And I think about our you know, plastic product packaging that we might be trying to do something that's a bit better and then it comes in plastic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look, I have to admit my products do come in a BPA-free bottle. Um, we were originally in glass, actually. Um, however, um, when I was cleaning with one of my kids in the shower, I dropped it. And um, that was enough for me to go, oh, the practicality of a cleaning product inside of a, a, a glass bottle doesn't suit me as a mum. But absolutely, definitely, if you can go glass, I, I'm 100% for that. Um, plasticizers are not good. They're, they're really not good in the home, um, especially um, when it comes to food storage. That's where my main concern is, heating plastics, storing food in it, um, more so from what it leaches into our food. So it's leaching the plastic into the food, which we then consume. Um, and it may not have an effect on us right now, but over years of doing that, then I think we will definitely see a problem with that. Um, the other, the, the main concern with plastics is how it impacts the environment. It's terrible. It's It gets in our waterways and plastic stays around for so long. It does not biodegrade. And that is where we're going to have a big, big issue. So if you're going to, you know, if you do find a plastic um, bottle, um, then try and stick for ones that are BPA free and ones that have the recycle logo, logo on the back. And that was the one thing that I made sure of with our products when we changed over from the, from the glass to the plastic um, or the BPA free, should I say, was that it was able to be recycled. That was the one thing that I, I definitely wanted to do. Plus, we initiated a refill program so that it meant less impact on the globe from us as well. So people weren't continuously buying more bottles. They were able to refill their bottle over and over again. Um, but, yeah, plastics are, are a concern for the environment, definitely, and we need to start reducing the way. Um, in actual fact, did you hear that some of the big chain shops um, stopped plastic bags in July? Uh, well, I was in the States in July, so I missed all oh. Australian news. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah, no. So there's been a fantastic movement by the big chain pharmacies here, uh, pharmacies, uh, supermarkets, should I say. Um, they have actually banned plastic bags, which is great. So they're using them up and phasing them out and now they're shifting over to um, their, their recyclable bags, which is fantastic. It's wonderful. And it's what we need to do. Um, you know, our poor planet is just is just sinking under the weight of our waste mm. and we need to do something about it. And I've become so much more conscious of the waste that I generate since cleaning, cleaning up my own health. And I really, I'm, in a way, I'm really grateful to the fact that my gut became so disordered because it's really made me cast an eye over everything that I do in my life that not only has an impact positively on me but it's having a positive impact on the planet because you know I use I look for products that I can recycle or like you say refill Absolutely. I really like it if I can refill something yeah. um, I'm recycling as much as I can my partner and I have a worm farm so we put them I would say 96 to 8 percent of our um, food waste goes to the worms and Fantastic. because we can only we just can't give them citrus yeah, or absolutely. onion and garlic yeah. yeah and we don't use a lot of onion and garlic because of the the SIBO yeah. um 
and so everything else goes to the worms and we can't give them we don't give them um, meat they're vegetarian <laughs> worms yes. um, so bones and things like that unless I'm using them you know I generally try to use them for stocks so we're we're recycling or trying to get the most value out of our products as we can um, every single time Absolutely. and I just wish that the entire world was thinking about waste like I am because that would make a big difference Absolutely. to our planet. Absolutely Rebecca I couldn't agree more um you know, we're our own worst enemy, really, um, for the future. And I constantly, having kids, I constantly think of how can I make this place or leave it in a better way so that my future uh, generations can, you know, have a beautiful um, time on this earth exactly like how I have. So, um, yeah, we're very, very conscious of that uh, in our household as well and how we can minimise wastage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to change a lot of people's mindset on that, but, um, yeah. It takes time and it's about just starting somewhere. I think, you know, you can't, it's overwhelming when you look at everything in your house that you need to change. So you just start somewhere. Like I just started with my moisturizing cream and my deodorant and toothpaste. And then I moved out to my, um, hair care and, and something, um, that, uh, I don't know whether you're whether you're you know in a position to talk about this, but something I think about a lot is one of the last areas that I haven't yet changed is my hair dye. So I go to the hairdresser. I try to stretch it out now as long as I can, but sadly I have um, I have what I call my glitter growing out of my head now. <laughs> my glitter sparkles, and uh, and I am not ready to go grey. So I'm covering it with dyes. But I think about okay, maybe three, maybe four. Uh, four or five times a year I'm having my head slathered in dye I'm breathing in all of those chemicals and I've talked to my hairdresser and said are you concerned about the chemical exposure you are um, exposed to every day and she looked at me like what (laughs) what are you talking about no I I couldn't agree more Um, I'm like you I struggle with my hair that is probably my weakness um, however, uh, there are there are products out there on the market and hairdressing salons that are very, very conscious of these products, which is fantastic. Now, there's some that market themselves as being, um, you know, organic and natural and things like that. But let's be honest, if you want to dye your hair or if you want to um, uh, do straighten your hair and things like that, there are chemicals that are going to need to be used. In those particular cases, what I would say to people is question your hairdresser about what they're using and look for alternatives that can give you the same um, effect that aren't as toxic. You're not going to completely eliminate the toxicity from the product, but look at something that's going to be... And the problem with the scalp is because because our skin is very thin on our scalp, it is quite, it's quite a highly absorbable place. Um, you know, uh, there's a product on the market that uh, pregnant women have to be careful using because you they can absorb enough which can go to toxic levels. Um, so it is an area where we need to be concerned, um, especially for pregnant women. Uh, however, I know it's quite difficult to to find um, 
the result that you want to have with a natural based product. However, I do know that there are definitely less toxic products and hairdressing salons that are out there. You've just got to find it in your local area. Um, you've just, and, and I know for sure that there's definitely a number of online stores that stock ranges that are less toxic for you. Um, and there's some um, home dyes, which I know are a bit more henna based as opposed to chemical based. Haven't used them myself, um, but um, I have got a girlfriend who's got a hairdressing salon who's, who's big on using natural um, pigments in the products. So um, yeah, something I can definitely ask her about. She may give me a better understanding of it. Uh, but like you, she went on a big journey because she suffered terribly from um, uh, eczema on her skin. And she actually, it, it, there's a bit of a stress mediation that's involved with her. So whenever she's stressed, it, it really, really flares up. Um, but she, she went on a big journey to go, yeah, I've got to look at um, what's happening inside me. And um, she she's was she's been a hairdresser for now over 25 years and she started to realize you know she's I'm, I'm using these things around me every day and i need to be aware of the products that i'm putting my hands in that i'm putting on my customer's hair and so yeah she actually went on this big journey and came out and created a um a um an organic hairdressing salon which is focused on a healthy lifestyle so she only stocks products um, that are as natural as can be and less toxic as can be for for hair um, as well as lifestyle products that are um, non-toxic and safe for us so yeah she um she definitely um has done a beautiful journey which is lovely but yeah hair care mm. is something that we need to be aware of it is definitely and and you know I've been dyeing my hair since I was 18. Okay. Uh, so it's 21 years that I've been putting um, dye on my hair every mm. you know I guess 8 to 12 weeks. Mm. Um, that's a hell of a lot of chemical Absolutely. exposure that is going into my scalp. And and then there comes with it the all of the products that you use, the hair styling products. Um, the hairsprays, the gels, exactly the mixes, right. the fudges, everything. Exactly right. um, and, you know, oh, the shampoo and conditioner and the leave-in treatments and just all these things that we just think are just part and parcel with looking after your hair. And if you just tallied up your hair exposure and head exposure to chemicals just on what you've done with your hair, mm -hmm. even for the people that don't dye their hair, there is they would have a significant number, of, you know, significant scary number of chemicals. And the bad thing I think about um, once you've started dyeing your hair, unless you cut your hair right off or shave your head, you're trapped in a vicious Absolutely. loop. Absolutely. Because... Then you get the regrowth, which looks awful, and yes. then you're stuck wanting to have to re-dye yeah, it because it. you don't want to go around with this terrible that's regrowth. It. Well, you've got to dye it back to the colour that you had before and it's like you've had to actually put an artificial colour in to get to where you were before. But I, I couldn't agree more. It is a vicious cycle. It's terrible, isn't it? It's It, it would be lovely to find a, a foolproof alternative solution that, um, yeah, does not um, cause any problems. But, yeah, definitely look for something less toxic um, wherever you yeah. can. But it's interesting you say that about how many chemicals that you get exposed to in your hair alone. Um, you know, before we even have gotten into the car to go to work in the morning, we've exposed ourselves to over 200 chemicals just before we get into the car. 
So, you know, when you think about it, we get up in the morning, we brush our teeth. There's a couple of chemicals in our toothpaste. Um, we then um, put our makeup on our face. Oh, God knows how many chemicals are in that. We then might moisturize our skin, more chemicals in that. We then do our hair. We put our hairspray in and maybe our gel, there's chemicals in that. We then go and eat um, food that may not be organic or fresh. We might have something that's in a box and package that might be um, not even food, but it's actually processed to be food. You know, that's more chemicals there. So, you know, by the time we actually hit work, we have just been overloaded. Our system is already overloaded um, with having to try and metabolize whatever has got in inside our, our body. So, yeah, it is extremely interesting. When you sit back and look at it, it's actually, it's actually quite overwhelming. What can we do or how can we know if we're, if we're reacting to um, certain substances in, you know, these types of products that we're talking about? Sure, sure. So you, that can be split up into two things. That can be acutely, so something that's going to happen straight away, and that um, would either show up in a form of a rash, um, itchy skin, sneezing, shortness of breath in some people, um, a headache, coughing, especially um, after you're using something, I would be inclined to think that maybe your body is a little bit reactive to it. Long term, um, and this is where a lot of patients then come into the pharmacy and, and this is where I go, okay, I've got to start looking at things, is if somebody presents with a, with a persistent headache, so something that's persistent or hanging around that you can't really explain, like a persistent headache, like a sort of a foggy brain, um, that could be a number of other things as well. Um, but a foggy brain is something that long term sits around with chemicals. Um, any sort of unexplained development of um, dermatitis. Um, sometimes uh, uh, patients with um, skin allergies don't actually, or, or issues like your dermatitis, don't realise that there's a product that might be causing it. Um, and sometimes dermatitis shows up in the weirdest of spots and we're not really, really, um, it, we can't really explain why. Like my um, brother-in-law, he kept getting this really itchy forearms and he was like, you know, Cara, I don't know what's causing it. So um, he went to a naturopath friend of mine who did a, a bit of a test on him. And uh, it actually came back that he was allergic to the dye in newspaper. So he was sitting there reading the newspaper and he put his forearms on the newspaper to read everything. And this dye was affecting his skin. So sometimes it can come from things we don't, we're not even really, really aware of. So um, he has to be aware of, of this particular chemical that is also found in, in products as well. Um, anybody who feels generally unwell, I would say, definitely look at things like that, especially, and you would, as you would know, if you've got gut, gut any gut issues, I would be looking at whether or not um, it may be linked to a chemical um, or what, um, what you're using in your home. Um, but mainly, um, if... Anybody who is experiencing um, fertility issues, especially women or hormonal issues, I would say definitely start looking at the products that you use in your home. Um, anybody who presents the pharmacy with fertility issues, I would say look at in particular fragrances and get them out of your home as much as possible. Uh, look, start slow, but don't, don't go nuts with it. But yeah, just start uh, looking at those particular things. But yeah, those are the sort of signs and symptoms um, which which let you know. But if you ever ever concern, I would definitely say go to your healthcare professional um, because it may not be 
that as the answer. It, I mean, those sort of signs and symptoms could be anything else as well. So definitely seek the advice of a, of a healthcare practitioner um, before you make the the decision that it's a chemical it's a chemical in your home that's causing it. But usually those symptoms acutely, if there's a rash, you're sneezing, there's a shortness of breath, you experience headache or coughing, um, that may be something that you've just been exposed to. A persistent cough that lasts around development of dermatitis, a really f a foggy brain or feeling lethargic and, and persistent headaches would be something that would sit around a little bit more longer. Um, and if you've seen a healthcare professional and they've said to you, look, you've just got to take pain relief or take an antihistamine or that, they're really not getting to the core of the problem. And there might be other, and it might be your body's way of telling you that there's something in your home that may be aggravating it. I remember. Um... A little while ago now, um, my partner decided to clean the oven and used one of those awful um, commercial oven cleaners that you can buy from the supermarket. Yeah. I honestly felt like I was going to pass yeah. out from the toxic fumes. It was so overwhelming to me because I'd stripped out so many of these um, chemicals already by this point, mm -hmm. whereas he hadn't. It, uh, you know, it's been a much slower journey to get him on board with some of these things. Yeah. Um, and... Oh my gosh, it was overwhelming. And I had that shortness of breath. I felt really lightheaded. I had a headache. I felt really wheezy. Yeah. And it was and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is just this is just from what this chemical bomb is that he's released in our oven yeah. in the attempt to try and get it clean. Yeah. So, you know, I had a very immediate reaction yeah. to that chemical exposure. Yeah. And usually that's the first thing, um, anything that's causing that on the body. And I mean, look, there's some natural products that can do that as well. They, they take our breath away and, um, you know, there's certain essential oils that can do that when, when you're exposed to them. But um, so it's just your body's way of saying to you, hey, you know, oh, I didn't, that's something that isn't meant to be in in me or is something that I shouldn't really be around. Um, so just use them as a bit more of a warning sign and, and then, you know, um, you know, determine from there whether or not it, it, it's um, something that you need to eliminate. Yeah. Now you've got a whole range of products. Um, so I'd love for you to be able to tell my listeners the kind of products that you developed and why and, and, and obviously give your business a little shout oh, out. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so I have um, developed a, a line, um, a home line and a body line. So I like less is best in my home. And so the range that I developed can be used across multiple areas in the home. So in particular, the cleaning products. I developed a multi-purpose spray that um, uses citrus or citrus essential oils as well as vinegar to help clean surface areas. So they're just designed to, that's designed to swap out your normal everyday bench spray, general cleaner that you would use in your home. And I've designed it so it can be street, street free. So you can use, you can use it on your glass, you can use it on your bench top, you can use it on, on um, you know, anywhere you doing any general dusting, your stove tops, in your stove, um, in your fridge, and it contains edible oils, so it's okay to be used around food. Then I developed a disinfectant um, surface spray, and that's designed more for your hygiene areas. So in that, we use a blend of eucalyptus, lavender, and tea tree oil, as well as the power of vinegar to help clean the area. Um, and that's great for your bathrooms, your toilets, um, your, your sinks, um, you know, even exercise equipment, smelly shoes, those sort of things. And you can also put a little bit of that solution into a bucket of hot water to mop your floor as well. So um, that one is designed also to be used in multiple areas in the home. 
The other thing which I designed in the home line um, was a line descaler. So this gets rid of that hard white soap scum buildup that's in the shower, around your taps, um, in your sink. Um, I've got some ladies that use it in their kettle, um, in their dishwasher and things like that. And I found that, you know, that was probably the hardest thing for me to, to do because, you know, a lot of people would go natural won't work for that. Natural won't get rid of that soap scum. No way. That's been built up for years. It's not going to get rid of that. You know, I, I use these hard, powerful foams that I put on it and then, it, you know, it, it, that's the only way I can get rid of it. And even that, it doesn't really get rid of everything. Well, those products aren't really designed for that. And, um, yeah, this product here uses citric acid as the active ingredient and it literally dissolves the soap scum in front of your eyes. It's been formulated in a liquid, like a liquid gel. And the reason for that is because citric acid itself can be irritating on the lining of your, of your lungs. So if you were to spray it, it would give you a cough. But applying it on a cloth is absolutely fine. So um, that one there is the liquid gel that can be applied straight to the surface or diluted into a bottle and just sprayed regularly in your shower to prevent that build up from happening on your shower screens and around your taps and things like that. I also have a room spritzer. The room spritzer is a malt, is the top, one of the top selling products. It's, um, it's inspired by my love of yoga. Um, it's quite, it's, it's this beautiful floral zen sort of um, smell and it um, can be used as a room spritzer, a garment spritzer, a, a light perfume um, as well as a yoga mat spray. So it's quite versatile as well. I have a lot of young ladies that like to use it as a perfume because it's non-toxic and it can be sprayed on, on them without the issues of fragrances and things like that. Um, so that's my home line, but we're actually about to release a dishwashing liquid and a laundry detergent, which are all um, uh, low in toxicity um, and uses plant-based ingredients as well. So that's coming out in September. Um, then we've got our body line, which is very, very simple because yes, you know what? Most of the stuff that you can use on your body, you can find in your pantry. And I'm a big advocate for creating products of your own if you can. Um, so I only developed a body wash because that's something that people like to um, sort of, you know, feel comfortable using in a in their shower. And that's a coconut based body wash. And we only lightly scent that with um, essential oils because essential oils can also be a little bit irritating on the skin. So we've only used citruses in that um, and very, very lightly because they help slough off dead skin. Um, then we've got a hand wash where we use lemon myrtle oil as the antibacterial in it. And that's used with, that's created using coconut oil, um, av um, uh, avocado oil, sunflower oil and olive oil. We actually um, make our own liquid castile soap here and we put that into the formulation. Um, and then we have a cream. So we, we developed a cream because one, I kept getting hounded for a non-toxic cream. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll bring this out because everybody's asking me for it. And I designed it so it can go on the face, hand and body because, you know, once again, multiple uses, one product for everything. Um, and that is, uh, I like to call it wellness in a bottle because it's got vitamin E, it's got vitamin B, it's got this beautiful ingredient called Japanese knotweed, which is high in reservatrol, which is found in red wine and a powerful antioxidant. Um, it's got um, argan oil, it's got oatmeal in it. It's very, very soothing on the skin and it's a very, very fresh smell of grapefruit that we've put in it. 
um, as well as vanilla and patchouli and ylang ylang. So it's a beautiful, soft, um, light cream that can be applied all over the body. Um, That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's a, it's a diverse range of products yeah. that you've got. Yeah. And what I like about it is I really like your ethos of less is more. So trying to create products that have um, multiple uses, um, it saves space, yep. it saves packaging. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, it's just really marketers, you know, good old marketers of which I, I am one originally <laughs> from my original career um, that are just, that, you know, they're just there trying to sell more products and make more money for their companies that they work for. We yeah. don't need to have different products for every type of function. We can use multiple products for the same purpose Absolutely. and it's really great to Absolutely. hear that you have developed that. Kara, yeah. um, if anybody would like to um, connect with you or obviously find out more about these products, products um how's the best way for them to connect yeah absolutely they can connect well we've got a website um and that's www.purehomebody.com.au um they can um connect with us through our website or on our social media platforms which um, we're just known as pure home body on facebook if you type that into the search bar and on instagram we're also known as pure home body with no spacing or anything like that between the words so um, there's, there's that way and our email and all our contact details are on our website. Um, so, yeah, they can get in contact any way they'd like to, whatever's more convenient for them. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. And all those links are in the show notes as well. Absolutely. So, Cara Little, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast today sharing your knowledge all around um, chemicals and, and going low-tox. So thank you so much for coming on the Healthy Gut Podcast. No worries. And also, Rebecca, for your listeners, I've got a discount code if they want to get on store and, and grab anything. And that code is SIBOFREE, S-I-B-O-F-R-E-E, all in capitals, and that entitles them to a discount on the, on the online store there. That is wonderful. I know that my listeners will be very happy to get a little something special for listening <laughs> to you today. So thank you so much for that generous offer. No worries. That's all good. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. My pleasure. hope you enjoyed today's episode with Cara Little. I know I really learned a lot around the types of ingredients that I need to be looking out for on my products. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episodes or get any of the links that Cara mentioned or even uh, just a reminder of that wonderful code that she has given all of the Healthy Gut listeners to be able to purchase her products at a discount, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash low tox. That's L-O-W-T-O-X. And you'll be able to get all of those links in the show notes. Now, make sure you do head over to iTunes or the app you use to listen to this podcast and leave a rating and review. And if there's anybody that you think could do with a bit of a reminder around why going low-tox can be really beneficial for them, make sure that you share this episode with them. And come say hi to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest and Google+. We're there under The Healthy Gut and we absolutely absolutely love seeing you over on our social media channels. Next week on the show, I'm joined by the incredible Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and she is the host of the Fertility Friday podcast and is also a fertility awareness educator. 
I met Lisa through doing her own coaching program, teaching women how to be in charge of their fertility and also aware of it. It was really incredible and I didn't realize how much I didn't know until I started doing the program. So women, this one is for you. And guys, if you want to support your female partner or friends in fertility awareness, check this episode out. It is absolutely fascinating. And we talk about how gut health can have a big impact on your fertility. So I look forward to seeing you next week with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. And as we are fully funding this podcast, if you would like to help support the continuation of this podcast so that we can continue to bring you future episodes, all you need to do is make a contribution at thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Belinda Coombs for the production, editing and original music score of this podcast. To hear more of Belinda's music, head to soundcloud.com forward slash Belinda Coombs. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.